Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. You know, my wife has been working out, Pastor Barb in the back. Oh, don't say that. You know what? If you're up here, you'd say whatever you wanted to say. Truth. And, you know, as a husband to a wife that's working out, it kind of makes you stop and pause and go, I want to see my shoes again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see where that goes. I don't know how much commitment level there will be to that, but you got to have a little bit or it won't happen. But I'm proud of her for uh, doing what she needs to do because we're getting older and we need to take care of these temples, right? Right. And I'll hear about it later. <laughs> Anybody here follow the news? Yeah. What do you think? I think the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. <laughs> Matthew 24. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Say to your neighbor, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. Woo. Is my daughter-in-law in here? Is she hiding? She's like... Where is she? You're pointing. Watching live screen. Hi, Sarah. She knows what it's all about. Birth pains. She's feeling it already. Any day. I mean, it's literally this week is the due date, I think, right? Any day. Woo! We're excited. Our house is going to be changed. <laughs> but Jesus was talking about his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. The birth pains he's talking about are the things that people have to go through to get right with him. And sometimes he has to give them a little nudge because they aren't smart enough to do it on their own. And you know what? God loves us enough to say, hey, I'll do whatever it takes if it'll help win you, win your soul. You know, we've got, what, 80, 90 years in these bodies if we're, if we're blessed? Then what? Eternity. In one place or the other, right? You choose the place. Don't be blaming God. Yeah, I'm going to hell. Don't be blaming God. What kind of God would put me in hell? The kind of God that made a way for you to get there, but you didn't accept it. What? We're going to talk about that today. Book of Revelation, chapter 9. Before I get there, though, I had to just mention this again, because I don't know where all you are from. And I said this when I first started this series. There are three theories on the rapture. What are they? Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. All right? What I want you to understand today is the assemblies of God, which we are, the assemblies of God believes that we are going to go up in the rapture before the tribulation. So I emphasize that fact. All right, because that's what we believe. But that doesn't mean that I want you to be ignorant about what the other folks believe. And if you want to search those out, you can. But I've, I've just got so much time in my little 45-minute time slot, or 50, <laughs> 55 maybe, you know, whatever. Whatever. 
The message is only that long. It's the altar call it takes longer because you guys never just step up, you know. We could have it done in two minutes if you'd just be paying attention and get up here. But I got to work on you. The Holy Ghost is working on you right now, right? So it isn't that I want you to be ignorant of others' beliefs, but because we are assemblies of God, I try to focus on what we believe. However, regardless of which stand a person takes, we're all still going to heaven. All right? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We can agree to disagree. So don't be mad at people if they go, oh, mid-trib, man. We've got some right in this very room that are mid-trib, some between mid-trib and post-trib. That's fine. Whatever. Now, if we go up according to our faith, never mind. I'm just, I'm messing with you. Two weeks ago, when I concluded that message on chapter 8, I left you with verse 13. And here we're talking about the three woes. Woe, woe, woe. Or, depending on your translation, it might have said, terror, terror, terror. That's where I left you two weeks ago. Now, I know you've been sitting on pins and needles ever since. These woes or these terrors follow the fifth, sixth, and seventh angel as they blow their trumpet during the judgments of the tribulation. You still with me? Today we're going to look at the fifth and sixth woe, or the fifth and sixth terror, as the NLT says, in uh, chapter 9. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles with you. And I would ask if you would one more time, just stand with me. Lord, this man is just that. I believe you've anointed me for such a day as this. I believe you've called me as a pastor to this church. And Lord, I ask right now that you would prepare the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl, that's within the distance of hearing me. Lord, touch their hearts today as only you can. Make them pliable and soft so that you can form them and shape them into any shape or pattern that you want them to be in. Touch our minds, Lord. Give us the minds of Christ today. Help us to understand what Scripture says about these last days, Lord. About the tribulation, about the judgment of God, about the love of God. Help us to understand so that we can share these truths with others. And so that we can tell them, terror, terror, terror is coming. It's so close. It's nipping at our heels. God, help us to be faithful as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. And Lord, bless everyone today, even if I don't say it. Bless them. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees said? Amen. Amen. Hey, poke your neighbor and say, hey, so far, that's good preaching. <laughs> All right. I'm still not happy with where this thing is. Someday I'm going to get my own music stand. <laughs> I suppose I could. And then I'm going to paint it pink or some amazing color. So if anybody touches it and I see it in front of a bass player, I'll, I just mess with you again, sort of. <laughs> oh, gosh. Then Roger's going to want his own color. I know it. He's over there going, oh, I'm coveting his pink music stand. Love you, brother. We had an awesome day yesterday. You talked about it a little bit, but just went out, started talking. Brian was out there building something for the youth in the garage and just started talking, and next thing I know, Roger's out there, and, you know, then there's a lot of talking going on between. You got two elders and a pastor, and, and they're, well, he's a pastor too, but anyway, you get the idea. And we started talking, and next thing I know, Pastor Roger's like, hey, we need to pray for this brother. And that just turned into a Holy Ghost moment where we did the Holy Huddle. I loved it. I loved it. And I left here feeling really good about where this church was at. You know, I was, I was feeling a little down. I don't know why. Some, anybody else ever feel that way, a little down? Right. And that's how I felt. Hopefully this message isn't going to be down for you. Rather, it should lift us up because we know, we know it's ripe. 
We got a dictator, his finger is on the button. Hopefully our president will use good judgment. Pray for him. Pray for him. Man, it's, li- it's lined up. You realize that, right? We can go about, we can walk out of here today and do our own thing. We can go to our picnics and, and go out swimming. We can go out skiing and we can hang out with family, do whatever. But Jesus is coming back sooner than later. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. We are ripe. We are ripe. I believe that with all my heart. Revelation 9, verse 1, reading from the NLT. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, it it, excuse me, when he opened it, Smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. The star had fallen. So what is this star? Some feel it's, it's a powerful fallen angel. He must hold some kind of rank in order to be able to open up the abyss. Others feel the star is Satan himself. But one pastor made a really good point. He said, all right, why would Jesus, in Revelation 1.18, where he took the keys, he's got the keys, where, where's Carrie? He got the keys. Why would he give them back? And I thought, huh, good point. And then there's a third thought. This angel is not demonic in nature at all. He's only doing his job, or her, whichever way. I think gender is neutral, but whatever. He's only there to open the abyss. But one thing is for sure, an angel opens the abyss. You still with me? Now before I move on to verse 3, I want you to consider demons for a minute. If you don't know anything about them, you can kind of be like, uh, I've seen some of those horror movies. They're spooky. They're scary. They'll keep you up at night. Right? If you believe in angels, you ought to believe in demons. But here's the thing. I want you to understand this clearly. Oops. What did I do? Oh, I missed one. There's no reason to fear demons if... What? (laughs) So shake off that fear. I have a scripture to back this up. Jesus sent his disciples out and they came back and they were like giddy little school kids. When the 72 disciples returned, they what? Woohoo! You know what happened? How many get excited about Jesus and the things he's doing in your life? Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. What? Demons obey the name of Jesus? This is pretty awesome. Yes. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Read this last part. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Hallelujah! So what I take away from this is we have nothing to fear from the demonic realm. As long as we are armored up, according to Ephesians chapter 6, Carrie, you said it, as long as you're taking your stand against the devil after having put on your armor, after he's all done attacking you, you'll still be standing if you're a child of the king. Christ makes it clear that his followers have power over the demons. And that includes Satan. Now, you don't want to disrespect him. He has a position of authority, but you're not to fear him. And then Jesus said, now don't relish in this power. Instead, relish in the fact. Now, what's that mean, relish? I mean, I like relish on my hot dogs, but... (laughs) 
I don't know where that came from. That's an old school word. Anyway, enjoy the fact, all right, that you are born again and that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Can I get a good amen? Amen. So we have nothing to fear if we continue serving the King of Kings. Notice I said we have nothing to fear if we continue serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you continue. But if you're not serving Him, you have every reason to fear, as we'll see in the next several verses. The last point made here in verse 2 is that there's all kinds of smoke coming out of the abyss. There is going to be a pollution come out of there that the EPA cannot deal with. Those guys are going to lose their marbles. What are we going to do? It's not man-made. It's supernaturally made. Verse 3. Am I in the right place? What am I doing? Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Next one. Thank you. Nope. Next one. <laughs> you might have to do this for it. There we go. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. And they were given power to sting like scorpions. Most scholars feel the locusts aren't really locusts at all, right? Who would be afraid of a locust? Maybe 30 or 40,000 of them if they all jumped on you at once. You'd have tobacco stuff all over you. No, the theory is that these are supernatural, demonic locusts. All right? They're not man made, they're not from nature. They're God made, and they're here to do a work that only they can do. They come out of the abyss in what appears like a cloud. These supernatural demons are given the ability to do great harm to those who have rejected God. I hope that's not you. Because anyone that has rejected God and what He's done for you, you're going to be in this thing. If, if our assumption is right, and this theory proves out, this pre-trib rapture, and you're still here after the church is taken home, you're going to go through this mess, all right? If you're not serving Him. Don't reject God. The pain, the Bible says, is going to be so great that these people would rather die than live. I looked it up. How long does a scorpion sting last? And I thought, it's like a bee sting, right? But there was one guy on there who'd been suffering for about 24 hours, and he blogged this thing, and he said, can anybody tell me how to get rid of the pain? My hands are swollen up, and I don't know what to do. And I'm sitting there going, oh. He ain't, he ain't got nothing on the supernatural scorpions that are coming. Verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. We've already talked about this. Satan's people are going to have a mark somehow. Forehead, hand, 666, that's going to represent it. We don't understand everything about it. God's people are going to have a mark as well. We don't know what it's going to say. We don't know if it's going to be a scripture verse. We don't know if there's a big arrow that's going to point down and say, Mine, capital M. We don't know. And I don't mean to make fun. I'm just saying, somehow, God's people, those who are going through the tribulation, who have accepted Jesus on the other side of the rapture, those people are going to be spared. The terror. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain, like the pain of a scorpion. And some of you women would say, hey, I go through that every time I have a kid. Mine's nine. Sarah's going, that's me. But in those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die. 
but death will flee from them. Now, I'm trying to think of this. All right, so if you dive off a cliff, you imagine, and you can't die? That's going to be horrendous. The pain that these creatures are going to inflict for five months is going to be unbearable. We don't understand everything about this, but hear this, the locust lifespan is five months. All right? They have five months to do their thing. These creatures were made for such a time as this. Their only purpose was to inflict pain, but not unto death. God made them. You need to recognize, number two, God has all power over the demons. He tells them who they can harm, but also who they must leave alone. Those sealed was God's seal, were not to be touched, similar to how the Israelites were spared when they painted their doorposts and the angel of death went right over them. We call that the Passover. But those sealed with the devil's mark were to be tormented but not killed. Again, this shows God controls the demons. Amen? Verse 7. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. I've seen, and I don't watch these movies, but I've seen uh, trailers, commercials, showing some of the horror movies that are out today. And some of them, they have these cute little girls. They come up behind her, the cute little girl with long, beautiful hair. And then she turns around, and it's this... <sighs> you know what I'm saying. These demons are going to be all that and more. Hallelujah. They had hair like women's hair, teeth like that of a lion. They wore armor made of iron. Their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions. And for months, they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. So we can take away from this that these creatures were really fast. They were like horses. They had power. That's what the crowns symbolized. But as we've discussed, they're only going to be allowed to inflict pain on non-believers. Their armor was that of iron. In other words, they're invincible. Nothing that the people do is going to be able to fight them off for that five-month period. And they're only allowed to torment the people for five months, which happens to be the life cycle of a locust. You know, God doesn't do anything without thought and creativity. Everything he does, you can see how it's lined up. Finally, the name of the king of the bottomless pit alludes to it being none other than Satan, who is the destroyer. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Again, you serve Satan, you're going to die. You serve Jesus, you're going to live. And when I say they're going to die, they're not going to die. They're going to die. This body's going to die, but then they're going to go on to the next life. And they're going to die every day in torment. They're going to wish they were dead. Is this God's plan for his people? It's our choice. Verse 12, the first terror has passed, but look, two more terrors are coming. What? Really? As if the first isn't bad enough. Two more are coming. Remember, the judgments are always growing in intensity. But don't think how horrible is a God who would keep increasing the torment on these people. What kind of God is this? A God that loves us. Listen to me. Scripture bears us out. God loves us too much to let us perish. He wants all men to be saved. 
But some of us are so, so boneheaded, thick-skulled, whatever you want to call it, hard-hearted, we ignore what He did for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And we think we can just do our own thing and live this life any way we want, and then He'll just have mercy on us and take us to heaven anyway. Uh-uh. He gave us the opportunity on this side of heaven to get right with Him. It's always a choice. It's always up to us where we're going to spend eternity. Even though God keeps amping up the terrors, I believe so that these people will get a clue and repent. Even though He's doing this, they refuse to repent. Talk about hardened hearts like that of Pharaoh. Wow. Don't be that person. Verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. Here we go. Another woe. And I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Now we know these four angels are not God's angels, all right? They're fallen angels. How do we know that? Because God wouldn't bind His angels, right? Common sense dictates that. So we know that these are four very powerful demonic angels coming from the, the Euphrates River area, which happens to go through Iraq, Syria, and Turkey which happens to be the hotbed right now of the world. Imagine that. Then the four angels who had prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. Now right here, our hearts should be breaking. Because these people are going to die and they're going to go to hell. Did you hear that? They're going to die and they're going to go to hell. That's why you and I ought to be preaching the good news. That's why you and I should be telling people about Jesus Christ who loved them so much He gave Himself for them. He took our place on that cross. We should have been on that cross. Listen to me. Let's make this clear. Back in Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, one quarter of the earth's people will be killed. This is going back to another judgment that we talked about. That would leave, out of 7 billion, that would leave about 5.2 billion left alive. Revelation 9.15, what I just read, one-third of the people killed, that will leave 3.5 billion people. So out of 7 billion people during the tribulation, how many are going to go to hell? About half the planet. God, help us. Help us to do our part. Help us to be faithful. To look for those who need to hear about Jesus. Not to be timid. This isn't a time to be timid. This is a time to tell people Amen. what God has done for you and what He wants to do for them. Too many people have discounted this book. They've said it's a book of fairy tales. I'm telling you, it's so accurate. We need to believe. We need to believe because it's God's truth. You're still with me? Yeah. Verse 16, I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. Now, some suggest this is China. 
But I'm here to tell you today, I don't believe that it is. If we take this verse literally, this has to be a demonic army controlled by these four powerful demonic angels whose sole mission is to destroy a third of mankind. As one scholar suggests, all the people that are killed here, they've already made their decision about whether or not they're going to serve God. And God knows our hearts, right? Even before we do. As one scholar said, the Lord is simply going to be removing them so they won't taint the other three billion that are still wavering or waffling or whatever you want to call it. This is just a theory. It's not scriptural, but it could be the case. We don't know why, but we know three billion people or so are going to die in this second woe. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. My NLT study Bible says these colors represent the plagues of the horses that each rider is on. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues. By the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with a power to injure people. Here we see John getting specific about what he saw as these four fallen angels who had been released for such a time as this began to do their deadly work. Again, this could be a modern army with tanks and jets and bombs being released, but it's most likely a demonic horde sent to kill one-third of all people. Though some suggest that this proves God is an evil tyrant. And I've read all kinds of... Just Google this topic. You'll be amazed at what comes up. I believe the God I know, He's not going to be happy about these people dying. But He's given them every opportunity to turn. And they refused. What would you do? It's their choice. Amen? The last two verses. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. I, I don't get it. You know, if God went to this great length to convince people to turn back to Him, and they didn't do it, how hard can a person's heart really become? Before I close, I wanted to look at the sins that are mentioned here, that are represented in verse 20 and 21. And I would just ask you, please examine yourself. First, they worship demons and idols. You know, God, in the first and second commandment, He told us not to have any other gods. So, if you're worshiping something other than God, if something else is more important to you than God in your life, that's an idol. These people worship demons, they're idols. God said in Exodus 20, verse 5, You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Second, they broke the sixth commandment. You must not murder. Realize, during the tribulation, it's going to be a bloodbath. We're already seeing it. People, people are running people over with their cars. People are chopping other people's heads off in the name of their God. 
It means nothing to them. They think they're doing a good thing. It's murder. Third, perhaps most evident in our modern day is the witchcraft and the sexual immorality. It's going to be rampant during the tribulation. And what you need to understand is this word witchcraft, which it's translated sorcery in the King James Version, this simply means pharmakia. Does that sound familiar? Pharmacy? Drugs? Anybody do drugs? Don't raise your hand. The tribulation is going to be full of people who are medding up. Probably trying to get rid of the pain and the agony that they're having to face and not wanting to have to face it by themselves. Let's face it. People love their drugs. Now I'm not talking about Doctor prescribed, legally taken, all right? Unless you're taking legally prescribed, doctor provided drugs. Wrong. I'm talking about the types of drugs that are meant to impair, to take away all reasoning, all logic. Look at how many states have recently legalized marijuana for pleasure. You think it's a coincidence? We're at the threshold of the tribulation. There are already people trying to push for all drugs to be made legal. In countries like Portugal, it already is. And arguably, they say it's working. It's been on since like 1995. Heroin, cocaine, legal. Sweden has made heroin legal, but not marijuana. I don't get it. I'm only bringing this out because we're already there. We're seeing it taking place right before our very eyes. Last week on Fox News, President Trump was quoted, and it says, President Trump last Tuesday drew attention to the country's opiate crisis calling it a tremendous problem in our country. The president then said, nobody is safe from this epidemic that threatens young and old, rich and poor, rural and urban. End quote. Think about it. What happens when these people can't get the money for their drugs? What do they do? They'll kill. They'll steal. They'll do whatever they have to do to get their drugs. Drugs are demonic. And people are going to be sucked into this lifestyle. And it's been my personal experience that when you're doing these things, you can't think logically. In the old days, before I knew Jesus, this was my life. Every day I found something to get high on. I'd go to great lengths. Now, I didn't steal from anybody. But I worked hard, and I spent all my money on stuff like this. Could be alcohol, marijuana, whatever. I had to be high. I felt like I had to be high. Thank God I met my wife because she prevented a few gazillion brain cells from being fried. Or I probably wouldn't be here today. She's the one that actually got me to realize you can't keep doing this. And if you really love me, she said, you're going to stop. And I loved her, and I stopped. That was before I met Jesus. So she was, in a sense, my Savior from drugs but I believe God put her there for that reason. Hear me. In these last days, drugs are going to be rampant. Everybody's going to do them. It's going to be a horrendous place to live. A couple of drugs with sex, and anything goes. I know we've got some young people here. 
I'm sure that you're not immune from hearing this stuff. But sex is going to be bad during the tribulation. Right now, we still have a little bit of moral conscience. Not much. But there are countries where you can go today, go into their underground, and you can do anything you want with minors. We've had teachers, one in Michigan, that was having sex with her high school students. But it's still not as bad as it's going to be during the tribulation. Because I believe anything's going to go. If you want it, you take it. That's how it's going to be. If that sounds good to you, you keep on sinning and you're going to have a front row seat to it. Because it's coming on us fast. We don't know if Jesus is coming back today or tomorrow. But we know it's coming. And it's coming quick. Can I get a good amen? Amen. To wrap this up, I wanted to read from 2 Timothy 3. You can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless, heartless, and hateful. Their words will be cruel. They will have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that's good. I'm telling you what, we are seeing this playing out today. Last two verses. They will be sneaky, reckless, puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure instead. Even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Paul's warning, don't have anything to do with such people. Would you stand with me? What about you? Is your heart still soft before God? Do alarms go off when you lie or steal or do drugs that are illegal? When you have sex out of wedlock, do alarms go off and say, warning, warning, warning. I'm telling you, stop this lifestyle. Repent and turn to me. I've given you my Holy Spirit to keep you strong in this life. There's no reason for you to be tripped up. He is so much stronger than any weapon of the enemy, but you have got to put me in place, the Holy Spirit says. You have got to believe by faith that I am stronger than whatever you need to be delivered from. It could be pornography on the internet. Listen, I'm not unconscious to the fact that this is huge all across the world. Not just with men anymore either. It's men and women struggle with this very sin. Sexual in nature. What are we going to say to the Lord? We're standing in front of Him. Oh God. I know it was wrong. It felt so good. What's he going to say to you? Get behind me. Do you realize when you sin against the Holy Spirit, this is so big, when you sin against God, the Holy Spirit, do you realize it? Here's here's what I sensed in my spirit as I was praying. There's some in this room you don't even feel it anymore. And God is saying, let me break you one more time. Let me shape you and mold you back into that person I want you to be. I want you to be born again. I want you to be saved. I want you to be with me forever. But to do that, You've got to be willing to change. You've got to choose life in Jesus.
not talking about blowing it once in a while. I'm talking about lifestyles. So every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, I'm afraid that that's me. I'm afraid. I don't feel it anymore. I want to I see God back in my life. I want to feel his gentle nudge when he tells me, stop. I want to know that I'm his. He paid the price for me. I want to be his again. Maybe for the first time. I don't know. But if that's you, please, nobody looking around, just lift your hand up so I can see it. That's you. You need Jesus today. You need his saving grace. Lift your hand up so I can see it. I see the hands going up. Yes, yes. Anybody else? You can put them down. Yes, others. You can put them down. Hallelujah. Many hands going up all over this room. God has already done the work. He's taking care of business. Now it's up to you. If you receive Christ today, whether it's your first time or your 30th, what you do with this moment next is really what's going to make the difference. And we can pray this sinner's prayer, and we're going to. But it's what you do with it when you walk out of here that's going to make the difference. Don't let the devil steal it away from you. Let this be the last time that you are walking with the devil. Begin to walk with Jesus. Put him first in your life. Don't give anybody else any more room in your life but the one and only God who loves you and has died for you and he wants you saved for eternity. So let's pray this prayer. And if you believe this in your heart, I believe your life is going to be changed today. You ready for this? And I'd ask the whole family of God here to join me if you would, please. Heavenly Father, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, Pastor Norm read it during communion. I believe Jesus is my Savior. He died for me. He took all my sins on Him so I wouldn't have to suffer. So I wouldn't have to die this horrible death. So today, I put my trust in You. Lord, mighty God, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Help me to serve you, Lord. All the days I have left. I pray you'd release angels around me. Keep me safe. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God to help me fight the enemy off. And then teach me your word so that I can hang on your promises and live my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you haven't already picked up one of our little booklets called The New Life, The Start of Something Wonderful. The ushers have them out front, back. Grab one on your way out. They're free. It will give you a jump start in this new relationship that you have with Jesus. Listen to me. God loves you. God loves all those crazy people out there that are doing these stupid things. And the only reason that they're doing them is because they're following the destroyer the one that hates them, the one that wants to kill them. We have the truth. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's give them the good news and help get them into a right place, a right relationship with the one and only God who we serve.
Can I get a good amen from that? Hallelujah. It's always hard to stop here. Just, I know that it was in the announcements, but this coming Friday, get back here. I'm telling you, last year, the year before, the Salem's, they move in the prophetic. They have words for people. The messages they deliver are just for us. They're powerful. They're effective. They'll change your life. And if you just got saved, you need to be back in here Friday and Saturday morning because you need to get built up so that you don't fall back into your old habits, your old lifestyle, like, like the Bible says, going back, like a dog goes back to its vomit. I've seen my dog do that so many times. It's gross. And that's how we are when we go back to that old life. Don't do it this time. Keep pressing in and pressing on. Get back in here and get filled up with the Holy Spirit. Amen? This, this only comes around once a year. These people are amazing in their giftings. So, Father, thank you. For the blood of Jesus that's cleansed all of us from our unrighteousness. Now use us, Lord, as tools in your hands. You fed us today. You've encouraged us. You built us up. Now help us to go out so we can do the same in others' lives. Lord, even just a simple invitation or just telling somebody about what Jesus Christ did for us. Lord, help us to be bold in these last days. And until you return for us, keep us on that righteous path. Bless our time of fellowship with coffee and snackies. We commit this church, this family of Christ, into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.